0: Unbound Theater presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomie: Ghosts of the Storm. Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson. the good ship Helios believed all manner of superstitions. They believed dark omens could be summoned by any number of misdemeanours perpetrated on board. The safety of their voyage was in continuous jeopardy. To lose one's hat over the side of the ship, for example, was believed to foretell that the journey ahead would take far longer than planned. To whistle or sing into the wind was fated to whip up a storm. Bringing a banana aboard could doom the entire enterprise. It was a brave crew indeed who undertook export duties from warmer climes. To place a loaf of bread upside down once it had been cut, to pass the salt pot directly to another crew member, or to stir a cup of tea with a fork instead of a spoon could bring the calamity of misfortune down upon the ship. Breakfast was conducted under a faint air of dread. Though allowing a woman aboard was believed to bring bad luck, a naked woman could somewhat miraculously calm a stormy sea, This, along with the belief that trimming one's beard, hair or toenails was also deeply unlucky, might be placed in the category of ulterior motive on the crew's part. One occurrence no sailor had ever mythicised was what portent the arrival of a time machine on the main deck would represent to the voyage. It was just as well, then, that when Professor Cronomier's singular vessel grounded itself on the deck of the Helios, there were no crew members left to witness it. Standing within the magnificent assembly of brass pillars, copper rotors, wooden panels and glass apparatus, were the craft's two pilots. The professor, its inventor, wore the once resplendent garb of a Victorian gentleman, now battered and worn from her recent extraordinary adventures. Her friend, Astrid, meanwhile, looked every inch the Tudor tavern-keeper in a skirt spotted with patches and a crumpled white blouse. Look at that! "'Astrid cried, with a smile spreading across her face. "'We're at sea!' "'The Professor checked the last few controls of the timeship "'and then joined her companion on deck. "'Don't think much to this view,' Astrid frowned. "'The dark waters stretched out from under the ship "'but quickly disappeared into a thick fog surrounding them on all sides. "'Though unable to see far beyond the vessel, "'the Professor listened carefully for any indication of their whereabouts.' All that could be heard was the water sloshing against the hull, the creaking of the masts and the sighing of the wind. No crashing of waves against the land, not a single bird in the sky. They were out in open waters. "'One ship landing on another,' beamed the Professor. She took off her broad-brimmed hat to let the breeze play across her face and ruffle her untidy hair. "'Quite the feat of piloting,' she caught sight of Astrid's raised eyebrow. "'If I do say so myself,' she added with a smile. "'Not very busy, is it?' Astrid observed, "'walking back across the deck and scanning the rest of the ship. "'The sails were tightly furled, "'though here and there abandoned tools lay upon the wooden floorboards "'alongside lengths of discarded rope. "'A glint caught her eye, "'and she picked up an elegant brass spyglass "'rolling back and forth near her feet. "'She held it to her eye, "'disappointed that there was nothing to see but the dull grey fog. She craned her neck up to look at the crow's nest, but that too was abandoned. What do you reckon, Prof? she called back to her friend. They all have an equip? You'd have at least one person keeping an eye on things, surely, the professor frowned. She leaned over the side of the craft to look for an anchor line that might suggest the crew had gone ashore. There was no such thing to see, only the water burbling past the hull. We're moving, that's for certain, she murmured. But towards where? Fat chance of finding out in this, Astrid chirped, nodding towards the fog. The Professor did not answer, instead climbing up to the quarter deck, Still, there were no signs of any crew, and she could see heavy ropes binding the ship's wheel tightly so that the vessel would hold its course. No rowboats either, she observed. She paused for a moment and considered the serenity of where they'd landed, the undulating sea the reassuring creak of the ship. It might have been considered peaceful, but hanging in the air was a sense not of the calm that precedes a storm, but the eerie emptiness that follows in its wake. 1790, Astrid called up to her. So says this watch she gave me. Chronometer, dear heart, the professor replied, taking a final look at the fog surrounding them. There was something else she could sense, something familiar, a tang in the air. She broke off her contemplation and leant on the balcony overlooking the main deck, where Astrid was inspecting a lantern that had been discarded some time ago. I'm going to check the cabin, said the Professor. Keep an eye out for rocks. She could be headed for ground. Who's she when she's at home? asked Astrid. So much for the romance of the ocean waves, sighed the Professor. I'll be back shortly. With that, she turned and walked up to the door leading to the ship's interior. As she pushed it open, A sound caught her ear, the rattle of a breath whispering on the wind. A shiver crossed her neck, and she faltered for a moment, as though someone had called her name. She waited for it to whisper again, and then, hearing nothing, stepped through the doorway. Astrid idled across the deck, kicking her heels against the wooden boards and whistling to herself. She looked at the mast stretching up into the fog, and listened to the wind beating against the rigging. An impish urge stirred in her to climb up and unfurl the sails. What good was being aboard a ship simply idling through the waters? As though to answer the superstitions of the sea, Astrid's whistling was interrupted by a low rumble in the skies above. She paused for a moment, before a flash of light illuminated the underbelly of the fog hanging across the horizon, and a louder rumble followed behind. A storm was brewing, and it was moving in fast. The Professor, meanwhile, had made her way through the mate's quarters and entered the Captain's cabin. She confessed herself a little disheartened that the room was not a grand expanse of opulent decor as she always imagined such things, but rather a modest chamber furnished with a desk, several chairs, and a few wooden cabinets. Behind the desk was a grubby window through which she could see the blanket of grey fog and the dark water beneath it. She took the liberty of seating herself in the Captain's chair and then inspected the drawers of the desk. To her surprise, the key to the top drawer had been left in the lock. She turned it and pulled the drawer open, finding a pile of papers inside a leather-bound book. She removed the tome and laid it open on the desk. This was the log the captain had kept of the voyage. She leafed through the pages of ornate cursive writing and settled on a passage written in a rather more erratic hand. It was the signature of a worried author. Something had spooked the captain. She began to read. Out on the deck, Astrid stood looking out across the port side. She scanned the water for signs of rocks and then glanced back up at the sky as further flashes of light illuminated the clouds and heralded growling thunder. All at once, the wind dropped and even the sounds of the sea and the creaking ship seemed to soften. Astrid braced herself, sensing some incoming danger and sure enough, a second later, a bolt of lightning shot straight across the sky. She turned sharply to starboard and surveyed the grey abyss beyond. Slowly, as the groaning of the ship's timbers once again filled her ears, a shadow began to form somewhere within the bank of fog.
1: 13th of June, 1790. I have until this time, the captain's journal read, regarded the superstitions of my crew with little more than respectful scepticism. Their customs and their quirks have been observed in all good humour, But I fear I have underestimated the potency of the omens they routinely warn against. For some days now, the men have reported sightings of a ship on the starboard horizon, appearing and then disappearing within moments of being sighted. I have dismissed it as a trick of the light, some form of mirage. But this evening, as I watched the sun set, it could not have been clearer to my eyes. Silhouetted against the amber sky, I was certain she was there. I could spy her through my glass and no sooner had I blinked she was gone from the waters. I swear upon my soul, in spite of the ridicule my rational friends would heap upon me, that I have seen the Flying Dutchman.
0: The shadow in the fog began to take shape. Astrid held her telescope up to her eye and studied it keenly. Well then, she muttered to herself, come to rescue or to raid? The silhouette grew sharper. It was the outline of a ship. The professor turned a few pages of the journal, scanning for another reference to the famous ghost ship many had claimed to spot whilst far out at sea. She spotted the name of the Dutchman and read from the top of the entry.
1: 16th of June, 1790. Inclement weather has hampered our progress and I fear we may be some five days behind our schedule. An uneasy pallor hangs on the faces of the men. Each of them now claims to have spotted the infamous Dutchman shadowing us on the horizon. It takes all manner of coaxing, or indeed bribery, to keep them above deck longer than is necessary. They
0: cower in the hold. Outside the sky was darkening. The Professor had been wrong in her assessment of the stillness in the air. If it had indeed been the wake of the storm, it was to become the prelude to another. Astrid's gaze was fixed on the ship on the horizon, now emerging from the fog. The timbers were dark, almost black, and the sails were dirty, ragged and torn. She could see movement on the deck, but the figures were somehow indistinct. The thunder rumbled on, and the wind grew stronger, rushing against Astrid's face. She was certain, somewhere within the breeze, she could hear something not born of the sea. A chill on the back of her neck caused her to turn, and the sight before her almost sent her reeling over the side. She was no longer alone on the deck. Surrounding her were the crew of the Helios, Shimmering in the darkening light, Astrid was surrounded by ghosts. I have taken it upon myself to keep watch, the professor read on,
1: and my attentiveness to the task has borne another sighting. It was closer than before, much closer. I could see her clearly this time, her decks blasted and scorched, her hull impossibly damaged. There was no way such a vessel could not sink beneath the waves, yet on she sailed, and then I saw them her crew, her wretched, godforsaken crew.
0: Astrid tried to calm her breath, but a whimper of fear escaped her lungs. She watched as the phantom shades of the Helios's crewmen abandoned their tasks and slowly gathered on the starboard side, looking out to sea. She followed their gaze, and realised that they too could see the mysterious vessel sailing on the horizon. Hello, she stammered, having turned to one of the apparitions beside her. He was a young man, barely more than a boy. There was no indication that he could hear her, and indeed she could not hear him. He was mouthing some terrified question to a much older man beside him, who looked as though he was staring into the underworld. The screams, the captain recalled. Such screams I pray no man may be
1: so tortured as to yield up to his maker. I hear them even as I write, though the Dutchman has been claimed once again by the sea. I beg that it remain there for
0: never was such a sorrowful sound to be heard than the crew of a doomed ship screaming out their pain. The professor turned the page. A trail of ink blots led her eyes to two simple lines of scrawled writing in the middle of the paper. 17th of June. She has come for us. Abandoned ship. Out on the deck, Astrid lowered her eyeglass. The ship on the horizon was turning with the wind. Its tattered sails billowed. It was headed straight for them. The ghostly figures populating the Helios began to panic, running back and forth in a silent frenzy. She watched as a tall man in a grand coat stepped out onto the quarterdeck. It was the captain. He yelled silently, and the crew calmed, looking up at their commander for instruction. Astrid squinted at the captain, hoping to read his lips, but could discern nothing. However, it was soon clear what he had ordered his men to do. They began rushing for the sides of the ship, All at once she could see the silvery outline of a rowboat being thrown down into the sea, the crew jumping overboard after it and clambering inside. Boat after boat was sent down to the water, and they bobbed up and down, the ghostly remembrance of events past not synchronised with the bobbing of the real water. Astrid could only look on as the crew hurled themselves into the sea. Some swam for the boats and pulled themselves aboard, others simply writhed in fear their flailing arms not disturbing the waves as they descended beneath them. The sound returned and pulsed in Astrid's ears, ebbing and flowing like the tide. She guessed at its origin, but breathed steadily and told herself she must be wrong. She had to be wrong. She looked again through her spyglass and focused on the other ship. She could see sailors drifting across the decks like shadows. Another crew of the damned. She fixed her gaze on one of them and gasped in horror at the tormented expression upon the man's face. And so the sound became all too clear, whether summoned by the crew of the abandoned Helios or by the phantom ship approaching at speed. The air was filled with screaming. In an instant, the Professor burst through the door up on the quarterdeck and saw Astrid looking out to sea. She followed her gaze, took in the sinister apparition approaching, and then broke off and descended back onto the main deck. She walked up to Astrid whose face was pale. Astrid, she said as tenderly as she could. What's happened? The crew, Astrid whispered, trying not to sob. I saw them. They jumped overboard. How could you? The professor began, but she was silenced when the sky above lit up and let out a roar of thunder. A stream of silver light was hanging across the firmament, and the professor's question was answered. The Time River she said, recognising the shimmering light from the temporal waterway through which her timeship sailed from one part of history to another. It's come to meet the sea. A bubbling noise broke her concentration, and she span around to look at her machine. The multicoloured liquids within the glass apparatus atop the wooden control banks had begun to boil, sending trails of vapour across the maze of tubing winding around the craft. An ethereal humming was rising reverberating along the brass pillars of the frame and towards an hourglass suspended in a gyroscope at the apex of the pillars. How the hell's that happening? Astrid gasped, as the Professor dashed across the deck and jumped at the controls. She's picking up a temporal disturbance, she reported, reading the instruments carefully and adjusting all manner of dials and levers. And it's a big one at that. A moment later, Astrid was at her side. We ought to leg it, Prof. There's nobody here to save. It's Scarpa. I fear trying to effect a departure might overload the controls, the Professor frowned, flinching at the heat radiating from the wooden panelling of the control banks. Her eyes glanced back to a fluctuating dial. The chronoparticle readings are phenomenal. The what? asked Astrid. I'll explain another time, the Professor muttered. Right now I think we'd better brace for impact. The Dutchman was upon them. Its bow surged forward, but instead of smashing the Helios's deck to splinters, it glided through it a silvery glow forming where the outline of the ghost ship intersected with the corporeal one. Astrid stood open-mouthed as the dark apparition sailed on, consuming her, the Professor, and the time machine. Amid the shimmering haze that now engulfed them, she could see the interior of the Dutchman, as though she were flying through its walls in a dreamlike state. "'What's going on?' Astrid yelled. "'It's the Flying Dutchman,' the Professor explained. "'A legend of the seas.' A ghost ship unable to make port. It's doomed to sail the ocean forever. The vessel of the damned. A spark of static erupted from the controls, and the Professor began making more adjustments. Above them, the streak of silver light in the sky was growing wider, spreading out towards the opposite ends of the horizon and spilling shimmering energy onto the two ships. The Dutchman sailed on, its cabins passing by to reveal the shadow of its main deck, replete with screaming crewmen. Astrid looked away in fear. We're about to skip across the time stream, the Professor cried. Hold on! Astrid clung to the controls and the hum of the machine reached a crescendo. Bright light flashed down from the time breach and buried the Dutchman and the Helios. When it had cleared, the Professor opened her eyes and beheld the incredible sight before them. The Dutchman was no longer a ghost ship. It was a solid craft, sailing away from the fading outline of the abandoned Helios. The unreal had become very real indeed. The fog surrounding them had parted, but the sky remained hidden from view, this time beneath the darkest clouds Astrid had ever seen. They turned the sea black. The liquid in the time machine's flasks and tubes became still once again, and the hum faded into the ether. The Professor and Astrid remained still as the crew of the Dutchman, no longer screaming phantoms, but corporeal sailors going about their duties, began to notice them. "'Ah, they see us now,' protested Astrid under her breath. "'We've jumped back in time,' the Professor explained. "'1641, according to the chronometer, before the Dutchman became a ghost ship. So it wasn't just a legend after all.' Sure enough, a cursory inspection of the vessel showed it to be no longer a tattered wreck but a serviceable ship merely a few years into its nautical service. I don't look thrilled that we've dropped in, Astrid noted above the fervent chatter building amongst the crew. It's considered bad luck to have a woman aboard, the Professor reported. As if to agree with the remark, the dark cloud sent a barrage of lightning down to the seas, and the cacophonous roar of thunder filled the air. Spots of rain began to blot the deck, and the crew, sensing the wrath of the sea about to unleash itself upon them, quickly dispersed. "'Bet their wives were really sorry to see the back of this lot,' said Astrid. "'Time to go yet?' "'No,' the Professor said in a distracted tone. She was scanning the deck of the ship in deep concern. Just for a moment, she thought, a shimmer had crossed it. As her gaze flickered from sailor to sailor, she was certain that in the corner of her eye there was a light playing across the vessel, continually flitting away so as not to be perceived. "'What is it?' she growled beneath her breath. "'What happened here?' Two stowaways have doomed us all, that's what!' one of the sailors shouted in reply. Astrid pulled her sleeves up and readied herself for a scrap when a tall man stepped in front of the heckling crewman and regarded the two travellers with a fierce glare. "'You the boss around there?' Astrid demanded to know. "'I am the captain, girl,' he replied in a deep voice as weathered as the ship on which he was standing. "'You'll show me some respect.' Before Astrid could reply, he turned his attention to the professor who was still scanning her surroundings ill at ease.
1: "'Clearly you find my ship quite the fascinating craft,' he observed mockingly. "'Perhaps that's why you've stowed yourself aboard her.'
0: "Stowaways!" Astrid exclaimed. "'Well, you're not on the manifest,' the captain said in a fearsomely calm tone. "'And we've not touched land since we
1: set sail. What else might you be then?' There it was,
0: over his shoulder. One of the crewmen was trying to go about his business. The professor watched his body shimmer with silver light. For an instant, he was an old man, then back to his normal self again. Thunder rumbled on above, and another crewman suffered the same occurrence. First a healthy sailor, then an emaciated ancient, and then normal again. Localised fluctuations in time, the professor whispered. Speak up, the captain ordered. How long have you been in this storm? the Professor asked him, ignoring his accusatory tone. "'We've been blighted by ill winds since we left port,' he replied. "'I'd lay off the ship's biscuits, then,' Astrid shrugged, and she was gratified to hear a few stifled sniggers behind the Captain's back. "'No doubt our misfortune is born of having two women aboard,' the Captain ventured. "'Oh, it's got nothing to do with that,' the Professor said quietly, looking up at the dark sky. I think you've been hit by temporal lightning, for want of a more scientific phrase. buffle the captain spat. The professor made to respond, but a shimmer crossed the man's face. For the slightest of moments, his skin sagged, hanging from his bones. His thick, dark beard became white and straggly. His expression of defiant derision was replaced with a pleading glare of one longing to be saved. And then the old face was back, unaware of its momentary transformation. "'Some massive build-up of chronoparticles particles discharged across the ship, "'accelerating the localised time-field and distorting causality,' the Professor reeled off. "'How's that for baffle-gab?' The Captain remained stony-faced. "'You can't feel it yet because the distortion has barely taken hold, "'but it's accelerating, and when it does you're going to find yourselves "'fixed to the source of the distortion, swallowed by the storm. "'You'll be nowhere and everywhere, of no time and of every time.' fluctuating in and out of the established timeline like lightning crossing the sky. Another clattering round of thunder sounded and the captain's face filled with contempt. You will get off my ship, he growled, before grasping his sword and holding it out towards the professor. Breathing or not? Very well, the professor said, with a hint of sadness. We'll be on our way. She began adjusting the controls of the timeship, And the fluid in the bottles and flasks bubbled once again. The crew stumbled back in alarm, but the captain remained steadfast. He glared at the strange equipment, then leapt forward and grabbed Astrid, pulling her out of the machine. You watch your hands! Astrid kicked and scratched, but the captain ignored her. What is this conjurer's cabinet? he demanded of the professor. Let her go, the professor said calmly, and we shall be gone from your sight within seconds. She paused for a moment. And then added, sadly, there's nothing I can do here in any case. Step away from this demonic contraption, the captain ordered, fear rising in his voice, or you'll damn us all. To emphasise his point, he held the blade of his sword against Astrid's neck. Step away. The professor fixed him with a glare, and then pulled one of the levers on the control bank, causing the building energy within the machine to pause. She stepped down from the marble platform. Let her go, she said simply, but the captain remained still. The professor sighed. Very well. In a flash, she grabbed one of the sailors cowering beside the stairs to the quarter-deck and relieved him of his sword. He span across to the other side of the deck in a daze and watched as the professor pointed her newly acquired weapon at the captain, all the while weighing it in readiness for an attack. Harm her and I'll cut your throat, she warned. The captain sneered at the challenge. He would enjoy cutting her down. He threw Astrid aside into the clutches of another of the crew, who held her arms behind her back. The Professor gave Astrid a wink and then leapt forward. The spots of rain leading the way for the storm fell faster and heavier. The Professor drove the Captain back across the deck as he fended off her attack, then retaliated with a nimble display of swordsmanship his heavy demeanour would not have hinted at. The Professor parried each swipe of his blade and skidded across the deck, Leading him away from her machine and the captive Astrid. The thunder sounded again, becoming a near continuous accompaniment to the fight. Not even the cheering and jeering of the other crew members could drown it out. Astrid cheered on the Professor, but stopped when she began to notice the same time distortion her friend had witnessed. One of the sailors standing close to her, a stocky man with a near toothless grin, was undergoing a transformation. His skin was puckering and wrinkling, slowly at first but gradually spreading from his cheeks to his jowls. Initially he did not notice, so consumed was he by the spectacle of the sword play, but a twinge caused him to bring a palm up to the side of his face, and he could feel that something was wrong. Blimey! Astrid gasped. The sailor turned frantically, no doubt looking for a mirror. An open barrel of rainwater stood nearby. He hurried to it and leaned over its edge, regarding his reflection dappled by raindrops. He whimpered in shock and staggered back, knocking into another spectator of the unfolding jewel, who turned in anger at the interruption, but quickly changed tack when he saw his prematurely aged colleague. Gradually a wave of panic formed among the crew, not all from the same source. There were other men dotted around the ship who'd undergone the same ordeal. Time was catching up with them. The professor had no interval to consider the growing disquiet. The captain was a fierce fighter and once or twice he had almost caught her off balance. She countered once again with a fast succession of attacks. The captain growled in frustration and threw a killing stroke at her head. She dived out of the way, grabbing hold of the rigging hanging from the mast and swinging herself out of harm's way. The captain staggered, and she managed to catch him with her boot, pushing him to the ground with a swift kick. He skidded on the now sodden deck, made slippery by the increasingly heavy rain. By now Astrid's captor had abandoned his guard duties and joined the hysteria engulfing all around. Crewmen ran this way and that, searching for whatever unholy force had brought this curse upon them. Astrid kept to the shadows, lest any of them decide she was to blame and then vent their fear and fury on her. She watched as more of the sailors underwent the change and then froze when she spied something beyond the mass of panicked men. On the horizon, beneath the black clouds, was a ship. Its sails were furled and its deck was abandoned. It was the Helios. Immediately she recalled standing on its deck and watching the Dutchman through her spyglass, the impossibly dark ship and its screaming crew. Now the shouts of dismay were all around her. She'd seen this before. A hiss of steam caught her ears, and she turned to see that once again the Professor's time machine was beginning to activate. High above, lines of jagged silver light were suspended across the sky. Not lightning but the scars of the Time River spilling out into the present. Realising that only the Professor could get them away from the storm, Astrid stole the sword of a nearby sailor and leapt into action. By now the Professor and the Captain had moved to the forecastle of the ship, the Professor clambering over coils of rope and discarded equipment. She danced around the foremast, daring the Captain to follow her. She was goading him, making him angry. Once he lashed out, he would make a mistake. Suddenly Astrid leapt into view, swinging her sword low to catch the captain's legs. Her battle cry gave her away, and he leapt up to avoid the blow. He managed to bring a foot down on the flat of Astrid's blade, pinning it to the ground. Her fingers were caught beneath it, and she screeched. The professor ran forward and swung her sword, forcing the captain to step back in order to defend himself. He slammed into the base of the bowstrip and toppled to the floor, flailing to right himself as quickly as possible. The Professor dashed over to Astrid. Are you all right, dear heart? She cried above the bellows of the storm and the terrified sailors. Just a bruise, Astrid winced. Quick though, Prof, our ship wants to make a move. It's starting up again. The Professor cursed under her breath, then frowned. It appeared she was no longer under attack. Sword drawn, she turned back to the Captain. He was standing again, looking out at the chaos engulfing his ship. The rain was beating down and the wind was sending plumes of water up from the sea and over the decks. Lightning had struck the masts and ripped the sails to tatters. The timbers of the ship were turning black, almost rotting in places. All was lost. Why did you bring this upon us? The captain demanded of the professor in a broken voice. She could already see his face starting to change. I did no such thing, I swear it, she replied. It was a freak accident. You were calamitously unlucky.
1: Accident be damned,
0: the captain spat. Were it not for the rain beating his ageing skin, it might have been clear he was crying. The sea's
1: rising up to punish us.
0: He brought a hand up to his face. The skin was blotched and sagging away from the bones. He let out a long, low wail and sank to his knees, screaming like the rest. Prof, we must be able to do something for him, Astrid called above the storm. "'We can't,' the Professor replied with sorrow. "'It's already happened. "'All along the timeline. "'Look.' "'Astrid followed the Professor's gaze out to sea. "'Far away on the horizon, the sky was swirling. "'Clouds raced across the heavens, "'and where the sky met the sea, "'ships were appearing and disappearing from view. "'Some were great wooden vessels like the Helios and the Dutchman. "'Others were enormous metal blocks.' and one or two were so brightly white they almost glowed. "'Who are they?' Astrid cried. "'All the vessels that have seen the Dutchman,' the Professor theorised. "'This temporal storm is throwing the ship backwards and forwards through time.' She took out her chronometer, an adapted pocket watch capable of reading years and days rather than hours or minutes. Its workings were twisting and turning, never settling on one date. "'When will it stop?' asked Astrid now filled with pity at the wailing captain huddled at her feet. "'I don't know,' the Professor answered, leaving an all-too-telling pause before answering, which meant the truth was far too disturbing for words. The Professor laid down her sword and crossed over to Astrid, leading her away. "'We must depart before our ship gets blasted by the storm.' "'What if the storm hits the other boats?' Astrid asked as they crossed the main deck. "'I don't think it will.' The Professor replied. The Dutchman is a legend, a singular one at that. We must leave time to take its course. What about the ghosts I saw in the other ship? Some aftershock of the storm, the Professor guessed again, a tremor of the disruption echoing back across the continuum. They neared the Professor's ship, which once again was emitting a low hum as the energy within it started to rise. It's never done this before, Astrid noted as they ascended the marble platform at the base of the machine. It's not used to such powerful external forces, the Professor called above the rising hum. She set to work activating the controls. I shall have to build in some defences next time we land. She reached up and took hold of the gyroscope in which the hourglass was held. Pausing to look back at the crew of the Flying Dutchman, now doomed to sail the seas forever, she took off her hat and held it to her chest. I'm so sorry, she whispered, before throwing the hourglass into motion. The copper blades, which curved down from the apex of the machine to the base, started to revolve. Up above, the streams of silver lightning were still frozen upon the skin of the sky. Just as the Professor's machine reached the point of take-off, one of the streaks of light widened and a howling scream descended from it. Astrid covered her ears, but the Professor listened. It was the sound she'd heard back on the Helios, the peculiar strain that seemed to call to her. She pulled one of the machine's levers back and the departure process stalled. Prof, Astrid called to her mesmerised friend. The Professor listened to the unearthly wail as somewhere within its piercing screech a voice started to form. Elizabeth, it said simply. The Professor's eyes widened. It was a voice she recognised, one she had not heard for a great deal of time. It can't be you, she whispered. The streak of light began to narrow again and the screeching dissipated into the air. The Professor took a moment to fight off a thousand memories streaming into her mind. What is it? Astrid asked, seeing her friend's pained expression. Nothing, the Professor lied. Just a ghost. She threw the lever back into position and the time machine took off, disappearing from the deck of the ship in a blaze of silvery light. The perpetual storm continued to rage as the crew of the Flying Dutchman sailed onwards through eternity. The Chronicles of Professor Cronomier Ghosts of the Storm an Unbound Theater production, written by Dario Knight, and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod.